0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Bless the Lord if you've been fasting and praying. I got good news. It's, we've been going two weeks. The bad news is you've still got a week to go. But you can make it. You can do it. And I, I say that to encourage you to stay in there. I, I believe this, guys, when we, we go on a 21-day fast, A lot of the things that need to be released won't be released until the last week. So if you've been fasting, keep fasting. If you had not done anything yet, well, it's not too late to start. Begin to do something. Get your faith out there. And so we're going to talk about this this Sunday, and then we're going to end it next week. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Get your hand up real high. Usher's will get you one. Then go with me to the book of James, chapter 4. Now, the word fast, remember, guys, the word fast itself means to cover your mouth and not eat food. Needs to abstain from food. And if you've been doing this over the last few weeks, it is not an easy feat. But I believe spiritually it will un- unleash some things in your heart that need to be taken care of that God's desiring to do for you. Fasting is an invitation. It's voluntarily. It's to humble ourselves, to, uh, to to seek for more of a tender touch of God upon your life. I don't know about you, but that's my desire. I want more of a tender touch of God upon my life than ever before. And one thing that I've been fasting and praying for in my own life is a greater conviction from the Holy Spirit. Not only for me, but for the church and for you guys. As the things of this world grow darker and darker and darker, I believe the thing that will keep our hearts tender and in tune with Him is when we yield to conviction and we repent. And we begin to cry out, Conviction, guys, is a gift from God. The Holy Spirit comes to do that. The goodness of God leads me into repentance. And so I encourage you, make that an everyday practice. It'll just keep your heart right. James chapter 4, begin with me in verse 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. I look at that, and I almost think that James is saying, draw near to God, you draw near to God, because God is just waiting to draw near to you. He's just waiting for each one of us. And it's like the Lord saying, I'm on hold until you make that move in your life. And when you make that move and desire to draw near to God, He's going to show up. Verse number, or the second part of verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. The Amplified says, recognize your sinners and you've been disloyal. Purify your hearts. From, from spiritual adultery is what the Amplified says. You double-minded. Now, double-minded person, we love to hang on to the things of God with this hand, but we love to, th- to hang on to the world with this hand. And so this was a charge here for us, to get rid of the sin in our life and, and, and to purify our hearts and quit being double-minded. Keep reading with me, verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep And that's over our disloyalty. That's over our sin that he's talking about. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I believe at times in our life, there there ought to be a, a heartfelt shame because of the sin in our life. Where we go before Father God and we say, Lord, I'm so sorry for my attitude today. I'm so sorry for the things I've said. I'm so sorry for the things I've done today. And that's what he's looking for. He ends in verse 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself. And how did he say that? Well, one of the ways we can do that is by fasting and praying. And ultimately, you know what he says here? And I will lift you up. Now, fasting, guys, is not a way to get God's blessings, to get God's miracles. Fasting is a source to draw me closer to God and more of in depth with God. I believe this is what he's doing. And and in verses 8, 9, and 10, to summarize that whole thing, is to embrace uh, conviction and to learn to sorrow over your sin. And say, Lord, I need a change of heart. And that may be you today. You may need a change of heart. Go with me back into the Old Testament to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Sometimes, you know, each one of us just need to give ourselves a self examination. Look into our hearts and say, man, I'm shallow in this area. I'm weak in this area. We're going to 2 Samuel 12. Now, as we're going here, I'm just going to tell you where we're heading with this. Many times in our life, we fast to get what we want. And if I don't get what I want, I get mad at God or I get angry at God. Listen, to fast and and to seek God is not to get what I want. It's to learn to trust God, even when maybe what you're fasting for and praying for doesn't happen. Has that ever happened to you? Yes, it has happened to me. Now, this is a passage of King David that will illustrate this. And in King David's life right now, it is at a very dark time because of his choices. And the choices he made was to get into sexual sin with a woman named Bathsheba, which is adultery. Not only did he do that, then he ultimately had Bathsheba's husband, um, Uriah the Hittite, murdered. And so through all this process, Bathsheba has a baby that's David. Now pick up with me. 2 Timothy 12, verse 16. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David. Now I want you to see that real clear right there. That Uriah's wife bore to David. Not David's wife, Uriah's. And it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted, or he undertook a fast, and went and lay all night on the ground. Now this just shows me David's heart here, guys. When life got very difficult or very hard, David understood the benefits of fasting. I believe it's important that we understand this. Keep reading. And so the elders of the house arose, went to him to raise him up from the ground, but David would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. He may go postal on us, and we're not going to tell him that the child is dead. Verse 19. And when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. Now that means right there, what they're talking about, that he washed and is anointed himself, that he took all away all the signs of grief. And after he did that, it says, and he went into the house of the Lord, worshipped, then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and you ate food. Now, this this shows right here, guys, that David fasted and prayed with intensity, but it wasn't the outcome he was looking for. And in a roundabout way, I think David understood this, that whether it's good things, bad things that happen in our life, life goes on. I wish I could tell you there's times in our life that we can say time out and everything stops and hold itself, but it doesn't. Life goes on. Now, keep reading here in verse 22, and there's some things that he'll begin to answer. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the the child may live? Now, when he said this, guys, I believe he was saying, I fasted, I prayed, I wept. I did everything I knew to do. I trusted Father God. I didn't demand it from God. And you see the outcome. But in David's response there, and this is big for every one of us to get, David didn't question God. David didn't get mad at God. He didn't say, what's up, God? And there's times in our life it's very easy to get over in that. Verse number 23. But now he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Now this is a wonderful promise right here for anybody that's ever lost a child at an early age. I know there's some of you in here. If you'll note what he said, I shall go to him, But he shall not return to me. You know what David was saying? I'll see him again in heaven. I'll see him again in heaven. And that's for many of you guys, that's a great word. And David was saying there once again, I may not understand it, but I'm not going to question God. Now I said a minute ago, this was one of the darkest times in David's life. One of the most difficult times in his life. And I want you to look back in verse 20. And I want you to read this again with me. The child has already died, so David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and he changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. And this really jumped out at to me. That after his sons died, this showed that David wasn't sane. I'll serve you, God, when you answer my prayers. I'll serve you, God, when I get what I want. If you'll note, he didn't get what he wanted. And yet he went to the house of God, he went to the church, and he began to worship God. See, when I read this, it shows me that David wasn't just looking for God's presence or God's gifts. David was more interested in God's presence. In coming and fellowshipping around God. And this is big. And so when I begin to look at this, it's amazing how many times in the Bible that you'll begin to see when men and women would begin to fast, they would begin to worship and praise God. Go with me to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. And you're going to begin to see some truths in here that I believe will speak to your, your heart. Isaiah 61. As you're turning there, it just shows me that, you know, David had the heart this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise and worship God day or night. I'm going to praise God at any time. Doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I'm going to praise God. And I believe it's important that we learn this and learn from David. I'm going to praise God. You may be going through a difficult time right now. You need to praise God. You may be going through some tough circumstances. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship God. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. Now, when you look at this, the anointing of God here was talking about the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and He went about doing good and healing all those that were possessed of the devil. I believe it's important that me and you, we welcome the anointing of God in our life. I need a, a new anointing, but even specifically this. Father God, anoint me to praise and worship you unlike any other time in my life. I want to be known as a worshiper. I want to be known as a praiser. And so right here, it says that God anointed him. He anointed him for what? Well, look at this. To preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Notice it didn't say for me to get my new yacht. Notice it didn't say for me to get the tickets to the Super Bowl. For me to to do this or do that. To have this in my life. No, everything that he was anointed to do was to advance the kingdom of God right here on earth. To preach to to the people. To set the captives free. Look at verse 2. to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn. Verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Now You know what ashes are, guys? Ashes are an ugly reminder of our past hurts and our failed dreams. And so he's saying right here that He was anointed to take people away from their past hurts and their past dreams to give them beauty. A great exchange here that God wants to move you forward in life. Sometimes because of our our failures and our our dreams that have hurt us, we get sidetracked or we hit a dead end and we don't go any farther. That's not God's design. God wants to give us beauty for ashes. And he goes on to say, the oil of joy for mourning. One of the translations, the message says, instead of mourning, it says doom. He said, I want to put joy in you instead of doom. How many of you facing a little doom right now? You've been really discouraged. Well, this is what it's talking about. And then look at this one, and this is the one I really want to get to. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, the spirit of heaviness deals with oppression, depression, Discouragement and burdens. How many of you got some, some some burdens? How many of you been discouraged lately? He gives us the cure, and you know what he said? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now note the wording there. The garment of praise. A garment is something that you choose to put on. Every one of you in here right now that have clothes on. You chose to put that garment on. That, that sweater you got on did not jump off the, the hanger right onto you. That was a choice. So right here, he gives me some insight. If you have heaviness in you, put on the garment of praise. The issue is this. That if I don't put on the garment of praise, I'm going to wear the garment of discouragement. I'm going to wear the garment of, of heaviness. And you know what it does? It keeps you beat down. It keeps you uh, uh, focusing on all your issues and stuff. It keeps you from looking up to God. It keeps you from raising your hands to God. It keeps you from lifting your voice and your heart to God. But the cure right here was put on the garment of praise. If I'm not able to praise the Lord right now, it could be because the spirit of heaviness on you. Psalms 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you have breath today and you can't praise the Lord, you're probably bogged down with the spirit of heaviness. It's got you in a headlock. Psalm 34 one said, and this was King David, he said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. I'll bless the Lord at all times. Good times, sad times, mad times, ugly times. And His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Something happens when we begin to get a hold of praise and worship. Now, I want you to go to one more passage with me, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In this passage, you'll see a lot of things that we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, and I believe this will minister to your heart. 2 Chronicles 20 is where we're going. Now, all through the Bible, when the Israelites would get in trouble, when they would call out to God, God would come and rescue them. Over and over and over, God rescued them. I say that because you know what? There's times in the United States of America that men and women would begin to call out to God, and He would rescue our nation. And I believe He'll rescue America again. Second Chronicles 7:14, it says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble, will humble and pray and seek His face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land." What an invitation. I want you to see some of this today, because I believe God's really wanting us to focus on this in this last week of fasting and praying. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others were with them besides the Ammonites came to the battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedai. Now, this was a great threat, and the odds weren't very good. So right here, this would have been a very opportune time for Jehoshaphat to put on the spirit of heaviness, to begin to wear this and say, what are we going to do? But Jehoshaphat's a man of God, guys. He's a man of God. Look what happens in verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. Whoa! He feared? I believe he got in fear just for a moment or so. And the reason for that was for for a period of time, that the nation of Judah had been in peace. Everything was going smooth. Everything was in order. And now this. How many of you have ever been that way, where you're going along in life and it's smooth sailing? Woo, life is good. And then all of a sudden, the waves of life, the ripples of life, they start coming at you and literally all hell breaks loose and you look and think, what's going on, God? Well, that's where he was at. Just for a moment. So it says, Jehoshaphat feared, but look what happens next. And he set himself to seek the Lord. And how did he do that? And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. When the going got tough, Jehoshaphat didn't go and pull the covers up over his head. He didn't call a, 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 a 911 number. Jehoshaphat said, we're going to declare a corporate fast. And so it's one of the first things we need to point out here. Now let me give you a little history lesson here. I read this just a couple of weeks ago. Man, it really blessed me. That right after the United States had come out of the Civil War, our nation was very impoverished. We were in bad shape as a nation. At that time, there was a man named President Abraham Lincoln. President Abraham Lincoln, on four separate occasions, declared a fast in the United States. Praise the Lord. Man, it blessed me when I read that. Not only did he declare a fast, you know what he said? I'm going to lead it. And so they fasted and prayed as a nation. Right here in America, right after that broke in roughly 1867, the United States bought the state of Alaska from Russia for $7 million. That comes to two cents an acre. Pretty good buy. For the next 28 straight years, the United States had a surplus of money. During that span, right after the Civil War, they say that there was more inventions that took place in America than in the history of the United States. Also, the South, that it took such a hit because so much of the war was there, began to be re-erected. Even the city of Atlanta that was built to the ground began to thrive again. And as I read that, I thought, I wonder if Abraham Lincoln... Read what Jehoshaphat did. When the going gets tough, the men of God, they start fasting. They begin to seek God. They begin to pray. They don't go around with their head between their tails. They don't go whimpering around, complaining, America's in bad, we're going under, we're going under. It's bad. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the odds are. I still believe that when we'll just obey God's Word, God will move. So he sets a fast. And they begin to fast. Verse 4. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. You know what that means? They begin to pray. Psalm 50.12 said, Call on me in the day of trouble and I'll help you. Woo! What a promise. So they asked for help. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. This was corporate, guys. It's a big deal when an individual will fast and pray. But it's a bigger deal when a whole church will come together. It's a bigger deal when a whole nation. You know why? The Bible's very clear. It says one will put a thousand to flee, two will put ten thousand. Something happens when we unite for a kingdom cause. And something's happening. Keep reading. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Now, this is big, guys. He stands right in the middle of the assembly. And these next few verses, I want you to pick up his heart here. His heart was that of praise and honor to Father God. Look what he says, starting in verse 6. O Lord God of our, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdom of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? And he begins to confess who God is. And he says, Are you not our God? You're my God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name's sake. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Now when I begin to read this, guys, you may not understand it or see it in me right now, it brought some passion with me. I begin to look and I start to think, that's my God right there. He's just looking for the ones in James 4, 8 that says, you seek me and I'll, I'll come after you. I'll, I'll find you. I'll seek you out. So he goes on to say here, verse 10, and now, Here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. You're not going to kick us. They're not going to kick us out. You gave us this. You know what's interesting? The world is still trying to kick Israel out of their land. To this very day, they're still trying to boot them out. And right here, Javasaphat saying, you gave it to us. Verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us. Have you ever been in an arena or a fight in your life where you've said that or you've felt that? I have no power. I have no power. That's not a sin to say that, okay? And look what he says next. I have no power, nor do we know what to do. How many of us in this room have paced the floor before and said, I don't know what to do. I don't know. How many of you looked at your spouse and said, I don't know what to do? Once again, to to say I have no power and I don't know what to do, it's not a sin, but it sure is bad if you stop right there. And you begin to moan and groan, I don't know what to do. Look what he says. But our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. And so you know what he's saying here? I don't care how bad it may look. I'm trusting in you, Father God. I don't know. And what a prayer. I look at America right now. If we could fix America, we'd already done it. We spend more money on education. I'm not saying that's wrong. But we spend more education on on things than we ever have. We have more things than we ever have. You look at what we have as Americans. We're some blessed folk. But our nation is a mess right now. And so once again, it's look and says, Father God, our eyes are upon you. My eyes are upon you. And look what happens in verse 13. Now all of Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, they stood before the Lord. And I read that to highlight that to each one of us in here. I think it's very powerful at times in your life when your children see you fasting and praying. Your children hear out of your mouth. We're going to stand on the things of God. You're not showing them weakness. You know what you are showing them? That when the going gets tough, mommy and daddy get to praying. Mommy and daddy get to fasting. We had a lady in this church who years ago said this, that growing up as a little girl, she remembered getting up and getting ready for school every morning. And she said, the, the, the best thing my father ever gave me wasn't a VW. It wasn't a new trampoline. But she said, A heritage. And she said, I remember every morning that as I would walk to the kitchen to get my breakfast to eat, I would see my father on his knees, praying. That's the greatest heritage we can give our children. It must still be modeled. And so in this, in this terrible circumstances here, Jehoshaphat said, bring them all out. Bring them all out. I want everybody in here to understand. We're all in this. Verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel. Now let me tell you what Jehazel prophesied. He said, don't be discouraged or dismayed. We're not going to have to fight this battle. God's going to help us. we just got to go. Verse 18, same chapter. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all the Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Worshipping the Lord. Verse 19. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites. And they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Now get this, guys. Loud and I mean, there was a passion on them to praise the Lord. It's important that we do that. Kumbaya, Lord. Kumbaya. Man, I'm telling you guys, we got to live with God for a passion. And you see it in the way they praised and worshipped God. They understood. Our only hope is the great I Am. Verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness to go. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood. And he said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabit inhabited Jerusalem, believe or trust in the Lord your God, and you shall be established Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Just trust in God. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, and they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zeer, who had come against Judah, And they were defeated. Now, three keys right there in that whole passage. They fasted. They prayed. And they were great praisers and worship. What ultimately began to take place, guys, is not only did they fast and pray, but right in the very midst of the battle, they began to praise and worship God. Something happened when they all got into unity and began to do this. And it said right here that the enemies were defeated. It will release a river of healing. It will release a river of deliverance. It will release a cleansing. It will release victory upon us when we begin to get a hold of this. This is what Isaiah 61 talks about, the great exchange. The great exchange is this. God gives beauty for ashes, strength for fear, gladness for mourning, but he also gives peace for despair. When people begin to understand the power of praise and worship. Not just fasting, not just praying, but begin to praise and worship God. When you get up tomorrow morning, don't say, oh, crap horrific. It's Monday morning. Get up. oh, bless the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it and begin to sing praise to the God about how great He is. This is what Jehoshaphat understood. Listen to me. You may be in a situation right now and you'll have to fill in the blank in your own life. I have no power over this or that. You'll have to fill in the blank right here in your own life. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I believe He does. I believe He'll lead us and guide us. He'll begin to to, to birth in you an unwavering trust. And some of you right now, you may be going through some things and fear has... has, uh, Risen up in you and you begin to fret. I've gone through some things in the last week that I could sense a, a weariness, a fretting trying to rise up in me. And I, I just in here, I begin to say, Father God, I don't know what to do, but you do. I don't know what to do. I don't have a clue, but you do. And my trust is in you. And that may be you today. You're in great predicaments in your life. You remember we read in there that after Jehoshaphat declared the fast and and praying, he stood up and he began to praise God. I'm going to open up these altars. And maybe you want to just come down here. And maybe you just want a fresh anointing of more God where you become a praise and worship where you said, You know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. When you study King David's life, battle after battle after battle, the guy understood the power of praise and worship. And maybe you need to come down here. And you maybe you need to say, Father God, I don't know what to do. But I'm going to trust you. Let's praise him right now, okay? Let's praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.